you're still looking at the spiritual gifts. And today we're going to look at the gifts of knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge and wisdom. But I like to start with review. So does anybody remember what two gifts we talked about last week? Anybody? Last week. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to uh, print any off, so you got to write your own notes. Uh, we talked about exhortation and mercy. Exhortation and mercy, we covered those two last week. Exhortation a little bit. What is exhortation? I gave you a definition last week. Uh, you could use that or uh, your own understanding of exhortation. But what is exhortation? You want to take a shot at it? But yes, that is good. Pretty good. Um, the uh, definition I gave, I'll read to you. The action of being near someone to them or inviting them to be near you and comforting them, encouraging them, consoling them, and helping them to be of good comfort. So lifting them up is definitely uh, part of that. Uh, so can you exercise exhortation when you are not away from someone. So in my definition, I say being near them. Um, and that's because that's how it worked in the Bible. They didn't have a cell phone. They didn't have Facebook, uh, you know, back then. So they were near them. So uh, to exercise exhortation, you could write a letter and wait for it to get there, or you could be near them. Um, so can you do that when you're not near anyone? Can you exhort someone? Can you lift them up, encourage them? Yes, Stephanie in the back. Yes, you can. Yes, we, we talked about that last week. You absolutely can. You can text, you can call, you can use whatever social media you like to use um, to encourage them, to send them uh, you know, kind words, to let them know you're praying about them. Uh, you certainly can do that. We also talked about how it is more effective to be with the person, though, um, you can uh, actually look at them and tell them I'm praying for you. You could actually pray with them in person. Uh, it's just a little bit more encouraging to be with the person, uh, but you certainly can text them. I've texted people and said, hey, I'm praying for you, uh, and that's helpful. I've gotten texts like that as well, and it does encourage me. It does make me feel better, uh, so it does work either way. Uh, I just feel that it's a little bit more effective to be in person with the person, if possible. Now, what are some ways that you can actually exercise exhortation? What are the, some, the ways you could actually uh, you know, encourage someone in, in, in that? David, pray for them. Yes. Anything else? Stephanie in the back. Yeah, actually help them with what they're uh, doing. You know, maybe they got too much going on at their house and they just need some help with some work at the house or, or whatever uh, it is that they're going through. You can actually go and be with them and help them accomplish what they are uh, needing to get done. Anything else? Any other ideas? Denise? Yeah, sometimes people just need someone to listen just to sit there uh, and listen. And uh, that is helpful. 
Uh, I use my wife for that all the time. I just tell her my ideas, and then if she looks at me funny, I know they're not a good idea. So, uh, But it is good to have someone just to listen sometimes. Any other ideas? I have a few wrote down. Uh, pray for them. David said that. I said I also put pray with them. Uh, you know, sit down with them and actually say a prayer with them. Uh, and again, you could do that over the phone as well. I'm not exactly sure if you could uh, pray texting together. That'd be a little more difficult. But you could actually call them uh, and pray with them over the phone. You can sit down with them in person and pray with them. Uh, you can uh, say encouraging things to them. Uh, one thing I think that we overlook a little bit is you could actually read Scripture with them. Uh, I think that's not something that we naturally jump to. Uh, but what more encouraging thing could there be than if someone opens up the Word of God and shows you in the Word of God something that will help you in your situation? Uh, so that will take a little bit of uh, knowledge on your side uh, to know where to go or a little bit of time beforehand before you meet with them looking some stuff up. Um, and, but if you actually sat down and read the Word of God with them, it, I think that would be extremely encouraging. Uh, you can also remind them of the fact that God will never leave them a lot of times when people aren't feeling uh, so good, they're a little bit down, or they might feel a little bit alone, and you can just remind them the fact that God will always be there for them. Um, that goes along with just saying encouraging things to them. Uh, so what is the purpose of exhortation? You can look at 1 Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12. 1 Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12. I'll actually read that. How we exhorted and comforted and changed every one of you as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. So we have two verses here. Uh, these two verses give us kind of the, the manner of how we should exhort one another. Uh, as like a father caring for his children. Uh, so, you know, as a father, uh, I want to help my children. When they're not feeling good, I just want to hug them until they feel better, you know. And that is the attitude we should have when going to uh, exhort someone or lift them up or encourage them. That is kind of the attitude we should have in that situation. It tells us the purpose uh, that people can walk worthy of God. Uh, exhortation should always be aimed at getting closer to God, uh, to being in a right relationship with God, being able to walk close to God again. Uh, now let's move on to mercy. Let's review mercy. So go ahead and turn to Romans 12.8, and you will see how we should exercise mercy. When you get there, go ahead and read it, and then uh, shout out the answer of how we should exercise mercy. That's Romans 12.8. That's right, with cheerfulness. Uh, true mercy comes from a heart of love. Uh, it will not be done in anger or grudgingly or anything along those lines. It will be done cheerfully because of the motivation of love. Uh, does anybody remember the definition of mercy that we discussed last week? Or you can use your own definition. That's fine as well. 
So last week I said that uh, I defined it as to show compassion with word or deed. Uh, the ability to have mercy on others comes down to the compassion that we possess. Uh, people with little or no mercy are typically people that are not filled with compassion. Uh, they might be filled with other things that are stealing away the place of compassion, things like hurt or bitterness, anger, jealousy. Again, all of those steal away the place of compassion. People who show great amounts of mercy are people that are full of compassion. They have no problem showing mercy because of the amount of compassion within them. Uh, now, turn to Romans 12. You're, you should be there. Uh, verses 19 through 21. And what do we learn mercy in this passage? We talked about this at the very end of the lesson last week. What do we learn from Romans 12, 19 through 21? Yeah, it gives us great insight into mercy. It's a good picture of mercy. Uh, if someone has done you wrong, uh, you might be in a place of making them pay for it, maybe. Maybe uh, you could actually make them pay for what they've done. But instead of doing that, you give it to God. You just say, God, this is yours. I, you know, I know I can make them pay for this, but instead I'm going to give it to you, God. And then verse 20 actually tells us to feed our enemies. Uh, which again is real mercy. Now, what is a motivation to show mercy to others? What are some motivations, Steve? Yes, uh, to be more Christ-like. Christ is a very great example of mercy. Uh, anything else, Steph? Oh, okay. Must have been a good answer. You were thinking on the same page there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know I could say how easy it would be, um but the Bible does say that we're supposed to be merciful even to our enemies. Uh, that's pretty much all inclusive. Uh but again, I don't know that that would be easy. Um other motivations I have is obedience to God's word. Uh it can also be a tool to show others the love of God. Uh, it, it goes along with being Christ-like and, and, and showing the love of God. It can be a stepping stone to talk to them about salvation. Uh, for me, living with the knowledge that God has forgiven me and continues to love me and forgive me, uh, God has showed me all of that mercy. And that's basically, else, that's enough to be able to uh, encourage me and motivate me to be merciful to others as well. Alright, so done with review, let's move on to the gift of knowledge. Go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll start in verse 1. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. 
Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are diversities of differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, and to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. Uh, So Paul here is telling the people in Corinth that he is going to talk to them about spiritual gifts. Uh, So Paul basically tells them what he's going to talk about here. Uh, Then Paul gives them a deeper understanding of where the gifts come from. Uh, Paul makes it a point to tell them that there is only one God, but there are different operations. Uh, Paul is comparing the body of Christ, uh, that is us Christians. Uh, He's comparing us to how... Uh, we should operate and how the Godhead operates. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're one God, but they have three different, uh, it says operations, if you will. Uh, the, they, they are one, but they have different jobs, and we are all one body of Christ, and we will have different gifts, uh, different gifts, but we should all be aimed at the same goal. Uh, and, Finally, Paul tells them why the goal of Christians receive, what the goal of the Christians receiving spiritual gifts is. Paul uses the word of prophet in verse 7. And now, uh, this word prophet doesn't mean, uh, to gain money. We're not getting spiritual gifts so we can go out and sell tickets to a show or, you know, whatever and make money off of it. That's the not, not the kind of prophet we're talking about. It has nothing to do with money at all. Uh, the true meaning of what Paul is using this word for here is to be better, uh, to bring together for good. Uh, we're trying to get better, uh, either ourselves and others. That is the purpose of the gifts. Paul gives us great insight into why we have spiritual gifts, and specifically the ones that he mentions in these next few verses. Uh, God gives his children these gifts for good, uh, so that they're of the gifts and those around them can be better. And nothing is better than being closer to God. Spiritual gifts, if we allow them, will bring us closer to God, and they can bring others around us closer to God as well. Uh, So what is the spiritual gift of knowledge? Look again at verse 8. It says, For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. So it may seem that the spiritual gifts of knowledge and wisdom are the same thing, uh, but we will see that they are not. Uh, Although they do have some similarities and some connections, but they are not different. They are different gifts. Uh, The spiritual gift of knowledge is simply the things that you know. It is your education. uh, It's the things you've learned, the information that you have stored in your mind. So it's what you know. Uh, so that leads me to think, what should we know? What are some things that we should know? Uh, any ideas? Steve? Well, yeah. Absolutely. That's the very first thing I was going to talk about. Yep. We should know about salvation. Uh, anything else? Uh, other things that we should know? Jamie. 
Yep, I have that right here as well. We're all on the same page this morning. This is good. Uh, so, uh, yes, uh, first, I, so I have two truths, is what I said, that we should all know. Again, there's much more uh, it, that you can go into after that as well. The first truth is the truth of salvation. Uh, look at First Timothy two, First uh, Timothy chapter two, verse one. First Timothy chapter two, verse one. It says, "I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for." that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable, peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to the, the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, God desires for all men to come to the knowledge of truth, uh, and that is the truth of salvation. Uh, Paul lays it out very clearly here that God God does desire for everyone uh, to be saved from hell, and uh, we also see that God gave His Son Jesus to pay for us so that we can be saved. Uh, God loves us so much that He made a way for us to be with Him in heaven and live a wonderful life with Him. Uh, and we just have to believe in Jesus and admit our sins and ask Jesus to be Lord, our Lord and Savior. Uh, that is the first knowledge that we should have. That's the knowledge that we all need to have. But there are other things we should know uh, even after salvation, and that's uh, what I said is the truth of God's Word. Truth of God's Word. Turn to Acts chapter 17, verse 10. Acts 17, starting in verse 10. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Therefore, many of them believed also of honorable men, honorable women, which were Greeks and of men, not a few. So the people in Berea sought the truth in God's word. They desired it. They wanted to know everything they could know about what was written in God's word. These people searched the scriptures daily, it says. Uh, they couldn't get enough. Uh, they, they didn't feel like they were ever done. They were ever full. They, they didn't feel like, well, I'm good enough. Uh, they couldn't get enough. They woke up every day made sure that they had time to get to God's Word. Uh, they did not miss a chance of gaining more knowledge of the truths that are in God's Word. Uh, Psalms 119, verse 43 says, And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in thy judgments. Uh, the longest chapter in the Bible is completely dedicated to God's Word, uh, the word of truth. The psalmist loves the word of God so much that he desires for it not to be taken out of his mouth. He wants his mouth to always be full of God's word. 
Uh, Ephesians 1.13, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The word of truth, that is God's word, is so powerful. It has the power to bring lost souls to salvation in Jesus. Uh, that is how wonderful the word of truth is. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, we need to keep the word of truth. We need to keep in the word of truth. Uh, we need to make sure that we're rightly or correctly understanding and proclaiming the word of God. There are so many truths that are in the God's word uh, that we will be busy for years and years and years learning them. And that's okay. God wants us to be like the people in Berea. Uh, we need to continue searching the scriptures daily so we can continue learning and gaining the knowledge of the truths that are in God's word. Now, how do we practically use the gift of knowledge? Well, first of all, obviously, you have to have the knowledge. Uh, we have to have the information before we can do anything with it. Uh, this means that we will have to put some effort into trying to gain knowledge. We'll have to learn things. Uh, this will take effort and it will take time. Uh, now, some people are really good at learning and others are not so good at learning. I remember in uh, Bible college, most of our professors uh, would tell us ahead of time, hey, there's going to be a test on this day or there'll be a test in the next class. Now, some of them just like to surprise you and, and that was always terrible. Uh, but when they let you know ahead of time, the day before, it wouldn't be like three days before or a week before, it'd be the night before the test, the whole dorm would be silent. And guys would just have their books open and they'd be studying and going over their notes and what they highlighted and what they outlined and what they wrote down trying to figure out what might be uh, on the test. And that would be the only talking you would hear is, hey, do you think this will be on the test? And then everybody would flip to that page real quick and read it and study it. And uh, so it was kind of interesting when there would be a test the next night. None of us were out playing basketball and, and or anything. Uh, we were studying. And some guys would study for hours and hours and hours and hours. Uh, that would kind of be me. I would be one of those guys that would be there with my books and I would be trying to memorize every single thing I underlined, every single thing I highlighted. I try to memorize it all because I didn't want to miss a single question on the test. You know, I was like a perfectionist. I didn't want to miss anything. So I tried to learn it all. But then there'd be some guys that would open their book, read for 10 minutes, close the book and go do something else, you know. And uh, so some of us would do well on the test and others, uh, you know, some people... They can read for 10 minutes and get a good grade on the test, you know. Uh, you know, I had to sit there for hours and hours and hours, and I always got a good grade, but I had to put the time in to get it. Uh, no matter where you're at on this, uh, whether you're the kind of person that can look at something once and get an A on a test, or if you have to spend hours studying to try to get a B, uh, either way, you need to put some effort into learning something to gain the knowledge of it. If you have knowledge, you need to try to... Uh, keep trying to gain more knowledge. Uh, we'll never be done learning. Uh, at least not here on earth, maybe up in heaven. Uh, we'll know everything we need to know at that point, and that will be great. Uh, but here on earth, we need to keep on learning. Now, even though I went to Bible college, that doesn't mean that I learned every single thing in the Bible. 
and that I don't need to put any more time or effort into it. That's not true at all. Uh, I also went to college for home inspections. Uh, and at the time, I had worked in construction as a teenager, so I thought, this is great, I'll know everything. And I'd start taking the classes, and I'm starting to learn stuff. And I'm like, well, I didn't know that, and I didn't know that. And so I learned stuff, even though I thought I kind of knew uh, everything already. And then I started doing inspections, and I kept learning more stuff as I was doing the inspections. Uh, and then, you know, years later, I haven't done inspections in a long time. But I feel like if I went and did one now, I would do so much more than when I did it, you know, whatever it was, 15 years ago or whatever, uh, that I did inspections. I would, I'd know so much more now on how a house works and all the functions and, and even how to fix all the things that are, you know, not right in the house. I know so much more now than when I went to college for home inspection and when I did the inspections. Uh, and same for real estate. I did real estate for 10 years. Uh, every three years in real estate, I had to do 30 hours of continuing education because I had to keep learning. I couldn't just go to college, get my license, and never learn anything. Now, there's probably some agents out there that are like that. Uh, but you need to keep learning so that you can be current with the laws and the different ways. They always change something. Uh, so you need to know why it changed and how it changed and all that. Uh, no matter how much knowledge you already have, you will need to keep gaining more knowledge. Uh, the knowledge you gain will benefit you in your daily life. Uh, we talked about this earlier. The spiritual gifts are given uh, to use for profit, for good, uh, to be better. We will be better for it, and those around us will also be better as well. Uh, we can use our knowledge to help us make good and right and better decisions throughout the day. Uh, we will benefit from our knowledge, and we will benefit from these better decisions every single day. Now, others around us will also benefit as well. If you have seen someone that makes very poor decisions, very bad decisions, if you look around them at all the people that are close to them, uh, you will notice that they're all affected by those bad decisions as well. Uh, I worked in... Uh, property maintenance. I worked for a guy that owned a bunch of uh, rental units in Maslin, and there was uh, a lot of things that wasn't so pleasant to see in that type of business, but I remember he had one, it was a triplex, and the middle unit on it uh, was a lady that just made very, very poor life decisions, and she was hooked on some kind of drug, and, and she never had a job, and she was always out of money, and rent was always three weeks late. And she just made very bad decisions. And this was a two-bedroom uh, apartment. But there was always like seven or eight different adults living in this apartment. And somehow between all of them, they couldn't make rent because nobody was going to work. Nobody had a good job. And so you could see that everyone around her, she made horrible decisions. Everyone around her also made horrible decisions as well. We need to be careful who we allow to be close to us. Uh, they will affect us in our decisions, and our decisions will affect them as well. I've never met an outstanding citizen that surrounds himself with people that are running away from the law. I just have not met anyone who's been great and successful in life surrounded by uh, really terrible people. We need to surround ourselves with the people who love and value God and help bring us up, and we can help bring them up as well. We can share our knowledge with others. 
Uh, just because we learn something doesn't mean that we have to keep it to ourselves. Uh, we can teach others what we know. We can tell others what we know. We can share our knowledge with others that are around us. Now, let's move on to the gift of wisdom. The gift of wisdom. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 again. 1 Corinthians 12, 8, it says, For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. So, we're talking about the gift of wisdom here. What is the gift of wisdom? Now, again, this may appear to be the same thing as knowledge, but it's not. Uh, there is a difference. Uh, knowledge is something that you possess. With wisdom, it is how you use your knowledge. Uh, so if you are uh, really into English, you might like this definition a little better. Knowledge is a noun and wisdom is a verb. Uh, wisdom is knowledge in action. Uh, a definition of wisdom is to uh, the right use and exercise of knowledge. Uh, you can have knowledge and no wisdom, but you cannot have wisdom with no knowledge. Uh, this means that if you want to be wise, you will have to put uh, the time and effort into gaining knowledge. Uh, you will need to learn things. You will need to put time into gaining the knowledge that is in God's word if you truly want to be wise. Now, we've already covered uh, the, the wisdom in God's word, so we'll not go back over all of that again. Uh, but to be a wise person, you need to spend time gaining knowledge of the wisdom in God's word. Now, once you have knowledge, that doesn't automatically make you wise or cause you to make wise decisions. Uh, you have to actually choose to make wise decisions. Again, uh, wisdom is like an action verb. You have to actually do the action uh, to make it work. Uh, we're going to look at wisdom in the Bible in just a couple minutes here, uh, or seconds here, and we will see that the more knowledge you possess, the easier it will be to make wise decisions. And we will also see that it will be pretty much impossible to make wise decisions without knowledge. So let's look at some wisdom in the Bible. And of course, I want to go to Solomon. So turn to 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3 and then find verse 5. It says, In Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out <clears throat> or come in, and thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which hast, thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this thy so great a people? 
And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done accordingly to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. Now Solomon, he first recognized that he alone is not enough to do the job that is set before him. We see that in verse 7 of that passage. So he asked God for knowledge and wisdom. And that pleases God. So God fills him with knowledge and wisdom. Now, why did Solomon ask for wisdom? Well, first, uh, it says in verse 3 that Solomon loved the Lord. Uh, Solomon loved God so much. Uh, again, we see that in verse 3. And he wanted to please God and do right. You can see that in verse 9. So he asked for wisdom from God to be able to do the job that is set before him. Uh, how does Solomon use what God gave him? Uh, look at verse 23. Then said the king, the one saith, This is my son that liveth, and thy son is dead. And the other saith, Nay, but thy son is dead, and my son is the living. Now verses uh, right before this passage talk about two ladies, uh, both have babies. The one lays on top of her baby in her sleep and kills the baby. She wakes up and grabs the other lady's baby who's alive and takes it for themselves. So now they're fighting over whose uh, baby is the live baby. So look at verse 24. And the king said, bring me a sword. And they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to the one and half to the other. Then spake the woman whose the living child was unto the king for her bowels yearned upon her son. And she said, oh, my Lord, give her the living child and in no wise slay it. But the other said, Let it be neither mine nor thine, but divide it. Then the king answered and said, Give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. She is the mother thereof. And all Israel heard the judgment which the king had judged, and they feared the king, for he, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to do judgment. Uh, so Solomon was filled with wisdom from God, and he uses it. And this causes all the people to think about God. They pointed to uh, Solomon having God's wisdom. Uh, Solomon was blessed with wisdom. He did not uh, have to use it. No one was making him use it. Not even God was making him use it. Uh, Solomon knew the responsibility of having this wisdom, this gift that God gave. And he does the right thing and he uses it for God. Solomon uses his gift for God. He doesn't waste it. And not only... Uh, that the way he uses the gift is able to point people to see God, to focus on God. Uh, now, I want to think about Esther for a couple seconds, thinking about wisdom in the Bible here. Esther, in uh, my opinion, wasn't in a very great situation. She didn't really choose uh, to be queen, and it seems uh, she didn't like or want to be in that position. And then the plot to kill the, the Jews comes out and it's discovered. And Esther does this. Uh, in Esther 4, 15 through 17, it says, uh, Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me. 
and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day, I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. Now Esther wisely chose to fast over the situation, and she also recommends that all the Jews fast in this situation. That's a very wise decision to make. Uh, after this, Esther makes wise decisions on how and when to approach the king. Uh, because like it says, that wasn't part of the law, that she wasn't allowed to go and approach the king unless she was invited. Then she has to decide how to explain the situation in, to the king in a way that he will trust her. Esther's wisdom saved herself and all the Jews. Uh, she had to have knowledge of the situation and the laws of the land of that time, and then she had to make wise decisions. Uh, she sought God in fasting and prayer first and was able to exercise wisdom in that situation. Now, we took a look at the gifts of knowledge and wisdom today, and yes, they do go to but they are not exactly the same. They have some different uses and benefits. Uh, we cannot have wisdom without knowledge, so we must start there. We must search the scriptures to find the knowledge found in God's word. Uh, anything we could ever need to know can be found in this book. And the most important thing to know, and we talked about this, is salvation through Jesus Christ. Uh, Solomon, he asked for wisdom, and this is something we all can ask God for. Uh, God will not give us as much wisdom. The verse said that there'll be no one like Solomon after him, uh, but God gave Solomon the exact amount of wisdom that was needed in that day. And God will give us the exact amount of wisdom that we need in our day to continue following him and serving him as well. Also notice that Solomon, he did not waste the gift he was given. He could have chosen to use the gift to only benefit himself. Uh, he could have maybe chose to try to get rich off of this gift. Uh, maybe he could have chose to never use it at all, just pretend it didn't even exist. But thankfully, Solomon is a good example to using uh, the gift that God has blessed him with. Uh, some of us may be more blessed with the gifts of knowledge and wisdom and this is because God desires to use us a little bit more in those areas. Uh, no matter what gift God has blessed us with and what amount of gift that God has blessed us with, uh, he has chosen to bless us with those gifts for a reason. Uh, we cannot waste our gifts. Uh, we are running out of time. We cannot wait anymore. Uh, we can't say, I'll use my gift next year. There may not be a next year. Uh, it is time now to get busy serving God and reaching the lost. Uh, so let's use our gifts for the work of the Lord. Let's reach the lost this week. Uh, let's go to God and pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for this uh, lesson today about wisdom and knowledge, Lord. Uh, may we spend a little bit more time in your word to gain a little bit more knowledge that we can better serve you, Lord. Uh, that we can better benefit the ones around us. Lord, I pray that you please uh, help us to use our knowledge wisely. Help us to make wise decisions. Help us uh, to see how we can use our knowledge to reach the lost and reach people uh, maybe that are 
uh, struggling, maybe your own children that are struggling, Lord. Help us to make uh, decisions that will point them to you, Lord. I pray that you please bless uh, the next service to come, Lord. I pray that you please be with anyone traveling in for this service, Lord. I pray that you please bring in the lost, Lord. Please bring in visitors uh, that we can uh, show them you, Lord. I pray that you please bless according to your will. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Feel free to go over and have some snacks.